show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Hey, it's Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about GNC Health launching new virtual care services. How can retail health memberships meet consumers' needs, and can they challenge traditional sick care to find more value in wellness and nutrition? I'll talk about that. Then we welcome Linda McCracken and Janae Bader to share lots of examples of consumer-centered innovation from the health system point of view. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. GNC is supplementing its entry into healthcare with the launch of virtual care services. The nutrition and wellness company announced membership plans that give customers access to virtual care and prescriptions. According to Modern Healthcare, they will offer virtual primary care, urgent care, mental health services, and physical therapy, plus medications at a discount or with no out-of-pocket cost to members. GNC Health is partnering with telehealth provider Revive Health to provide the services, and no insurance payments are involved. Monthly memberships range from $9.99 to $59.99, and basic plans are $34.99. A year. The virtual care launch signals a shift towards more holistic health offerings for customers, and they plan to add virtual weight loss care in the future. What do I think about this offering? I like it. What's not to like, right? I commented on GNC Health's initial offering four months ago when they announced their GNC Pro Access Loyalty Program that includes free telehealth appointments and generic medications. If I understand correctly, this latest announcement means they've expanded the menu with new membership plans. This is also a reminder to me to not get lost in the sick care paradigm as we work towards improving the overall health and wellness of our society. As you know, sick care isn't the only way to do that. Preventive care, nutrition, and fitness are also essential. So why does primary care become part of their formula now? Because they can put their consumer muscles right to work. Think about it. They're in the business of understanding consumers' needs, preferences, and expectations. And let's face it, like a lot of other consumer brands, they're better at it than traditional healthcare. That's why we see primary care offerings from CrossFit, HEB, Hy-Vee, and Albertsons. So yeah, why not a premier vitamins and supplements brand? My favorite quote came from Allison Bentley, Senior Director of Strategic programs at GNC Health. She said that the company's launch is also a challenge to traditional healthcare to do better. And that's exactly what we should be saying right now. Sick care is doing a lot of good life-saving work every day. At the same time, we can challenge ourselves to learn from the entry of new consumer-minded players in the space. Let's keep our eye on this trend as the list of retail primary care subscriptions continues to grow and see how it affects not only consumers' choices, but their expectations and eventually their health. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. The flow, the flow, the 
Hey, everyone, let's get back into the flow. I have a special double guest roster today. Very excited to dive in. First and foremost, my first guest today, please welcome Linda McCracken. Linda teaches at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Thank you, Jared. Thank you so much for having us. I'm delighted to be here. You always track the hot issues, and thank you for setting up this conversation. I'm excited to be joined by my one of my favorite friends, colleagues, and inspiring healthcare leaders, Janae Bader. Sure. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Jared. I'm excited to be here as well. So I am currently the health industry sales lead for the West for Avanade, which is a joint venture between Accenture and Microsoft. We're a global systems integrator on the Microsoft platform. And by background, I have 27 years in healthcare. I actually started out as a paramedic and have worked in various roles throughout the healthcare ecosystem in the most the last 13 years being in the healthcare technology space, working between Avanade, a startup, and Accenture. No, and Janae, that's maybe one of the reasons I love your background and experience as a clinical provider. One of the spaces that you bring in addition to the technology expertise is where you've sat on the provider seat, so we can say that. And by way of background, I too have had the great, great joy of being in health systems, in marketing business development, teaching leaders at Harvard for the last 20 years with successive appointments, health plans, an insight firm, and working on an advisory basis with health systems. So I'm really fortunate to have a broad view, although not quite as broad as yours, Jared, based on all the work you're doing. Oh, I don't know about that, but uh, you know what? Let's see what we can put all these point of views to use. And I'd like to dive into a couple of things here. Linda, maybe you can share with us, is there a piece of career advice? Well, I should mention to listeners, you and I did a whole episode on uh, a lot of things that have shaped your career uh, a couple of years ago. So I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes, but it's worth people listening to again if they haven't had a chance to. But maybe we can just focus on, on any one piece of career advice that you've received along the way and how it's influenced you. No, thank you very much. That's very exciting. It's the Simon Sinek, Pursue Your Why. So some great folks that I've had the pleasure of working with over my career have said, why? Why are you here? And it helped me to define my mission. I am here to help optimize consumer health and provider delivery. And that's my why. I get up every day and think that's my purpose. And as I look at all my career roles, that's still my purpose. Janae, how about you? Yeah. So Jared, when I, um, when I did a little thinking about this question, I've had so many great mentors and people in my life who have provided incredible advice and have given me opportunities that honestly, I didn't even know existed until they brought them to me. And so as I was thinking through kind of what the overarching theme was for everything, mine is actually quite simple and it's just be kind. We can mic drop her after, after both of those. I feel like the most profound ones are the most simple. So I love it. Both of them, perfect way for us to warm up to where we're focusing today, which is a couple of aspects of consumer transformation where we're really focusing on health systems being able to establish a consumer-centered design or innovation function. I think it goes by a few different names, to tell you the truth, but... I know it's not something that comes naturally to a lot of healthcare organizations. Uh, Linda, can you start us off on this one about what do you think healthcare systems are, are doing well when it comes to consumer-centered design and innovation? What do you think? That's a great question. And thanks so much for offering that, what, what's going well. There's a lot more hands going up saying, hey, we care about consumer-centered design and it's part of my job. And what I'm hearing is the physicians say, hey, I care for providers, so that's mine. The IT people say, hey, I have the I have the EMR, and so that's my priority. The finance folks say, it's my priority because otherwise I can't collect receivables. 
So I like that there's so many people raising their hand. I like that the voice of the customer out of marketing has them raising their hands. And I like that nursing is having them raise their hands because most of them own the customer ratings. And more recently, I like that the HR people are raising their hands because now I'm finding that when I look at the division of experience and who owns experience, I'm seeing more HR people owning that experience part. So a lot of people are raising their hand. The second thing they're doing well is they're focusing on the front door, the front door, the investment in access, the investment in search and then multi-channel care. I was just with a group of physicians at Harvard, and we all agreed that these are huge priorities. Multi-channel care isn't an option. It's highly accepted. It's a good side of the pandemic. The next one I would say that they're doing well is they're recognizing customer types. Jared, Janae, we were all at Shushmed this fall, and Janae and I presented, and we asked our audience, how many of you have personas and journeys? And everybody's hand went up. So there's a lot of focus on that. There is also, understandably, um, Rob Klein, friend of mine, Klein and Partners, has just come out with a research study that says that um, the health system is still the most trusted in healthcare resources. And his focus is 74% say, I get my care from the health system. And surprisingly, compared to earlier research, he's found that 70 to 97% of each generation has a primary care provider. So we're seeing people hooked in. And one of my favorite um, colleagues, mentors, and inspiring authors is Zeev Neuwirth, who's just published Beyond the Walls. I recommend it highly. When he looks at the titans of disruption, he also looks on how providers can consider what they might do. And he says, wait a minute, you're still the most trusted enterprise. Janae? Over to you. Anything else you see as going well? Yeah, no, that's great. And I appreciate everything you've shared and also sharing the resources in the book. I'm going to have to go check that out. I have not yet had the opportunity to read it. It sounds fabulous. And so I think the difference is like we're looking at this consumer-centered design. And, you know, this has been a topic I think that's been around for several years. But, you know, with things moving so rapidly, I think that health systems are finally starting to kind of bring it back to making it actionable and and executable for how they're actually focusing on the consumer and defining it. And so Linda, you had mentioned just the cross-disciplinary teams, you know, everybody has different kind of focuses for who their consumer is, but we're starting to bring together the different groups from HR, from IT, from, you know, bringing the tech perspective, bringing the the HR perspective, you know, understanding kind of that full end-to-end and then like all the touch points that happen to any one person, whether it is an employee or whether it is a patient, to make sure that we are truly getting the benefit of what needs to happen. And the, uh, the last thing that I want to add, and Linda, you had, you had mentioned this, is uh, being in a conference where we asked people a question and had people, everybody raise their hand. And one of the questions was like, who owns experience either in your title or in your responsibilities? And I think several hands went up, which I think is quite different than if we would have asked that question just a a few years ago. So what I'm hearing is there's a lot of interrelated teams and leadership that have to come together and we're not yet consolidated on a single entry point to to your point you just mentioned, Janae, who owns these responsibilities. I would expect that's kind of where we're at right now, simply because we're still trying to establish some basics of what what are we referring to? You just mentioned when like who which consumer are we addressing? Who are we talking about when we say consumer centered design? I think these are great questions and there's not necessarily one single answer that I've seen yet that's like, okay, here's the thing we need to all agree on. Uh, I think we're still forming some consensus about some of these concepts. 
uh, and therefore some of the responsibilities, some of the ways we look at success, and then some of the skill sets and ways you need to set up an org chart to include some of these things. I think we're still in the early stages is kind of how it feels like. I, I don't know if the two of you agree there. Maybe, maybe we can look at the flip side of that. Where are health systems struggling at this point where we're looking right now? We are further along a journey for the most part than we were, like you said, a few years ago, but we're not anywhere near a destination. It doesn't feel like there, there's still a lot of, of challenges on the horizon. Uh, Linda, tell us where, where do you see health systems struggling in these areas? Yeah, Jared, I think you actually just put it most perfectly, though, because we're still struggling to go through that cross-functionality and understand the right definition. So one of the things that I see with more successful organizations is how can we put a cross-functional team together so we have an aligned definition? The benefit and the strength of saying everybody saying it's my job is that everybody sees it differently and it's like the blind people touching an elephant and having a different idea about what the elephant looks like. So I think having a strategic cross-functional team, which we do a lot in our work with organizations so that they can identify what are the issues, what are the priorities, is really important. Even if we said, what is primary care? Because all health systems want to say, hey, we're the primary care provider. We see primary care under the gun. So while I did just quote Rob's research saying that more people have primary care providers than ever, or at least since my research about five years ago, that showed less than half of the young adults had primary care. Primary care is under the gun. We see the primary care provider and Rob's research shows for one, physicals, two, prescription, three, blood tests, and four, well care. And we can start seeing that um, except for the physicals, everything is getting picked off by the disruptors. So um, cross-functional, under the gun, integrating and engaging with disruptors. Today, I'm intrigued by Prime saying, hey, for $9 a month, you can have access to one medical. And that's a new titan of disruption. You know, what's Amazon doing? What's CVS doing? What's Walgreens doing? And one of the joys, Jared, of your podcast is you're always keeping an eye on those disruptors. But how do providers engage with them is going to be absolutely key. The next one is how can the struggling with is how can we have customer centricity enabled by technology that we have? Now, digital front door is where most of the expense is going around access that that acquires the appointments, but we've still got issues around technology integration. I want to call out one of the things that Renown has done in Suzanne Hendry, who's the experience and marketing lead. She pulled in the chief medical information officer and the full IT team to her innovation work with seniors and made sure that all of the customer insight was plugged into the EMR. But that kind of, hey, let's talk about the strategy and the tactics leverage the technology we have and buy only the technology we need, I think is something that folks are still struggling to get to. Applying marketing expertise capabilities can go a long way into improving margin and performance around customer engagement. Right now, I think within healthcare, I mean, there are so many struggles. <laughs> you know, There's so many, so many things are happening. And I think that's one of the problems is that we have so many areas that need support and help, you know, that, that we're really struggling to figure out where to focus. You know, I mean, even thinking about just the challenges within primary care, you know, access, and the problems we're having are so different than they were, like I said, you know, a few years ago, where access has always been maybe an issue, but the differences within access right now are much, much different and much, much more complicated, I think, you know, to solve. And so what we have, so it's like, as we look through this, we have a lot of, or what I see are a lot of groups admiring the problem, 
And so, and part of that, and not really necessarily, you know, figuring out the ways that they can actually fix it or, you know, just doing something that they can move in that next direction. But then when I look back at it and I'm like, okay, as a health system executive or a health system leader, there are so many, you know, areas that they have to like focus on and figure out where they're going to put their resources and what, what is going to have the biggest impact on both the patients and their employees. And how do you do that within the technology and the tools and the information that we have today, which is so vast? You know, Linda, you had mentioned even like some of the disruptors that are out there. The disruptor, is it a bright, shiny object? Like how do you stay focused on the foundation and make sure that you're still building that while at the same time bringing in all these different areas and making sure you're taking advantage of, of the best of those? So Jared, I know you speak with with several you know, executives and leaders across all these areas. What do you think some of the big struggles are? I definitely see a lot of what you just mentioned of struggling to know where to focus. I do think that's a challenge. I think we saw this, a lot of the same challenges in the early days of digital transformation as we were trying to figure out where is the EHR fit in everything, but then all the downstream technologies that that resulted from that. You know, I was focused on a marketing tech stack, for instance, in those days when I was client side and trying to implement, okay, okay, what in the world? What, how do we even know which technologies we need? What platforms do we need? What do we have? And I remember being in an early days in a marketing tech and analytics role at a hospital trying to simultaneously stand up the platforms, evaluate the platforms, test them, and then communicate the value of the data we were getting from them and then the insights we were getting from them. I mean, it, it was it was a big learning experience. And I feel like we're early, early days when it comes to the consumer-centered innovation side of that. I think we can learn a lot from, from what some of the struggles are. If we're struggling to answer that question of who owns this or who can at least drive it forward, who sets up, the team, the cross-functional team who kind of keeps it going. Some of those things may not be in our DNA as, as health systems. We're still t- learning how to do that where we used to have, I mean, the silos are still very much a thing. So you mentioned Zev Neuwirth, right, Linda? You know, he, he talks about beyond the walls. He doesn't talk about breaking them down. He says like going beyond them so that do we even have to see it as as any kind of overcoming something? Let's actually get outside that that frame of mind. So I don't know, I feel like we're we're still looking at like what does it mean when a marketing leader has a term consumer, consumer experience leader, or I've seen you know, I've seen a VP of consumerism, I've seen a chief consumer officer, I've seen director of consumer insights, and then you see consumer experience leader. Are those the same? Are those, are they slightly different? Some have clinical components. So one one chief consumer officer that I've spoken with is overseeing their hospitals hospital at home program, including you know some of the the clinical and and you know the tech systems underlying that. So I'm sure it's going to be a while before we get a consensus on some of those key leadership roles. But then I think we'll start accelerating a little bit. Some of that actually reminds me of a presentation that the two of you did at Shishmed. Linda, you mentioned that. I'd love to dig into that a little bit and share with with our listeners some of the, the key points of that presentation. Maybe starting with the insights that you hoped attendees would get out of it by focusing on some of the things that they did. Can, can you set that up for us, Linda? What was the, the presentation about and what did you hope attendees would get, get out of it? No, thanks very much for that. We presented with St. Luke's Health System in Boise and the customer experience and access team. And so the main, the, we had sort of like 
four main points that we were hoping for and that we were lucky that Shishmit agreed to have us be on stage for. One is a pivotal commitment. St. Luke said, we're going to reconfigure our front door access with a customer first experience. They said, typically we all work on access based on what's provider, but we want to focus, we want to pivot completely based on the job for the customer. And we want to earn our way into their lives. Now, Boise, Idaho has had, what, a 10% growth, 5 10% growth per year for the last 10 years. And that's not a big surprise. And generally in that market, it's a 200-day lead time for, hey, I need a physical. So they just felt like, hey, we want to make sure that we're engaged. And there's some other players in that market. But what they really were committed to is patient first, which is And the jobs. I mean, think about McDonald's. When McDonald's understood that 50% of their milkshakes were bought before 8.30 in the morning, did research on it. They said the job of the milkshake is to keep commuters' stomachs full until lunch. And it completely unlocked a 700% larger market than they'd expected. And they shifted their milkshakes and they bought and sold. But it was based on the job for consumer from Clay Christensen. And in fact, Clay who I think you you know that his institute is who you've got on another podcast. So pivotal commitment, new insights sing- signals. We actually teamed with them to help build not just, hey, who are you typically serving and what's happening, but build quantified customer segment personas in sub-markets because as they were going to market differently in local markets, they were able to have geo-targeted quantified segments that would allow them to prioritize where to put their scarce resources in clinicians. So new insights. And then co-design, co-design and investment. They had a cross-functional team. They had a large workshop with, you know, over 50 people coming in from all the functions that we've talked about before that actually had them participate in building out future experiences for each of the major segments. So they had 10 segments, We broke them out into groups of four and they said, what should the customer experience? Now, later they were, you know, some of them had what was described as antibodies, which is, hey, we can't do it. But it's still that core level of design, transparency and awareness in driving selected adaptation. So commitment, new signals, integrated co-design and alignment. And then fourth and finally, value pursuit. There was a roadmap of here's the amount of money that's available if we get one, three, five, or 10% of the target market, and we can acquire that annually for achieving that future state design. And that actually allowed them to start prioritizing where to focus in terms of digital adoption, prioritize use cases, save a lot of money on what kind of technology purchase they would make, and then understand sort of what is the future so they knew the why when they were driving that. And that's been progressive steps for their rollout of digital partner and triage solutions. Janae, how else would you clarify some of the major points? Yeah, well, Linda, I think you clarified the, the major points and stuff that we spoke about at the Shishman Conference. But I have to say that one of my favorite things still is like, the job of milkshake. <laughs> and so, and how, and how you use that within workshops and different groups, how you're bringing together people who are all these cross-functional teams and trying to get people to think about like what is the job of X and whether it's milkshakes or it's toothpaste or it's cookies, you recognize that there are different 
there are different values that come into this. There are different perspectives. There are different people. There are different backgrounds. There's so many different things that they can, that we bring together, anybody brings together when we're thinking about this. So I love the, what is the job to milkshake? And then the last thing, you know, that I think is really impactful for me was hearing the, how do we earn the way, earn our way into the lives of our patients? And so, and I think, you know, just critically thinking about that and making sure that we're keeping patients and what we do at the front and center of everything that is being delivered, I think is truly you know, making it the consumer centric approach that we that we all expect and deserve. Well, I love that. Thank you both on that because it makes me think of the difference between a process or a strategy when you start with a propelling question that is open ended and leads to uncovering what what the job is to be done for that person versus starting with the question of how do we do more marketing for this when the question itself assumes it knows the answer or the the type of answer that you're trying to go for it's very much learning to define the problem and then ask that propelling question in a different way with, that if you don't even start there then it's going to be very difficult to get to the actual insights that they you think you're trying to get at that point. So yeah, I appreciate both highlighting those things. It kind of leads to this broader discussion because to both your points earlier, we were talking about cross-functional collaboration, right? And that necessity, I don't think it has to be this. I don't think there's a one size fits all. This is you know my current hypothesis, right? I don't think we have to force it into one place or another. I feel like it should live where it naturally is is going to thrive the most within a certain organization that tends to fall within the individual or individuals who are going to be involved in it, their individual strengths. But one way or the other, you are involving a lot of stakeholders. You're talking about IT, you are talking about operations, you're definitely talking about marketing, and you may be talking about clinical leaders as well. And you might have an experience team, a consumer experience and or patient experience team or role that are all needing to come together here. Uh, Janae, maybe we can start with you on this one because I, I'd love to hear just how, how you think health systems get the most out of that teamwork. How do they do that? How do they then take that teamwork and actually put it towards a goal? Like it might be patient access, it might be improving the experience, it might be retention. How do we get better at doing this cross-functional teamwork? That is a great question. I think that if we could answer that succinctly, that we all might be doing different jobs. And so, you know, I mean, I think it takes a strong leadership. It takes great leadership at the top. It takes a good vision. It takes aligned values and just making sure that you can communicate all of that together and bring those teams, you know, to the, to the center point. Love it. Linda, what do you think? I love Janae calling out, where's the value? There's a project that I worked on with a number of health, with a couple of health systems. And they said, hey, we need to know where our mammogram program is. And if we have to be customer centric, what are we trying to do? And we assume that we're trying to boost up the surgery. And when they started looking at the business value, it was actually the downstream. It was radiation therapy and the infusion center. That's where the financial value to the health system was. And so it really changed the trajectory of what's the experience design to make warm handoffs. Because otherwise, it would be just so easy to say, hey, once we get to surgery, we're done. But if surgery is at a break-even point and the real revenue is in the downstream, then there's a lot more warm handoffs and relationship building for retention. So knowing where the business value is always aligns the CFO gets the IT team and um, starts prioritizing the use case. I love that point about that. And Janae and I have had the great pleasure of working on what does experience look like, what's physician services, primary care, and access to help teams streamline what they need to do and prioritize based on the money. And where can we find the next one to five to $10 million 
of margin. I feel like half of that is just even getting people in the same room. And so when you mentioned that one of the first steps here, if this isn't already going on, is to put together that cross-functional team and just get that started. Be in the habit of, of coming together and starting to recognize how you can align the value that each department brings to that shared goal. If that's not happening, let's start there. And let's let's go from there and, and not realize that, you know, I guess realize that we don't have to have A to Z the entire rest of the journey mapped out, partially because that journey might change and meaning the path to get to the value that you're looking for might change, technologies might change, new things might become available. So yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I know that we do talk about this a lot on the show about how these things aren't built into the DNA of a lot of healthcare organizations. And that's fine, right? It, it's the fact. It's, it's just true. But can we start working along those things? Can we think about some skills and competencies that are needed? Are we at a point now? I definitely feel like in this last year, we've seen more leaders in, in health systems, at least, have the word consumer or consumer experience in their title, or at least in a, a point of responsibility for them. So I feel like we're making some progress here, but that still means we have to understand like what do we need these people to be able to upskill in and, and do so that we're improving this competency. Janae, what do you think, what skills and competencies do we need so that we do get better at designing consumer expectations? So that's a great question. I think that we, as leaders, I mean, that this is something that we need to kind of bring back is like, how do you rethink the role as it's being done? And so, because one of the conversations that we have had with with several organizations who are trying to think about their workforce, you know, and the upskilling of their workforce and what's going to happen is like, how do you work on like maybe even like eliminating types of job descriptions or eliminating different, you know, capabilities and you have to rethink how the total role is being is being done. And because you have to bring in now the new technologies and new data and AI that might be able to do part of the role, not all of it, it's not going to replace it. But we absolutely 100% have to rethink think how that role is. And it could be new titles, which we're already seeing in some of these experienced um, officers. And so it could be in new new technologies or new expectations. But I think we just have to rethink how it is and almost dissect the roles as they are today and figure out how you take the pieces apart and put them together. I think it would be helpful to have quantitative analysis and make sure that we have data. If we're going to include the scientists, the clinicians, the docs, we're going to need to have the right data and we're going to need to, and it would be helpful if it was from outside in and with a growth mindset of how might we. So what kind of quantitative, who are we serving? Who are people like me? Quantitative, qualitative, um, how might the customers feel? And then what skills or digital interactions might we have as we start learning their various touch points? That would be one. Two, I think we actually have to have and, and I know that I'm biased from the working with physician leaders for over 20 years at Harvard. But when I see them say they, these marketing people and the operations people, they come to me and they want a couple of million dollars of my budget. But I don't know how to evaluate the market opportunity or the customer experience. And yet I'm still responsible for making the customer satisfaction numbers go up. I think if there is more cross-training and, and more engagement out of the physician leaders, that would be great. Even just the analytics, one of the key surprises that I find in a lot of health organizations, just look at the key drivers. For PRC, NRC, it's the key drivers. If it's Prescani, it's the correlation coefficients, but those are the numbers that drive the ratings. So looking at that kind of a data and then recognizing what are the high performers doing 
And again, in a variety of organizations, Bay State Health, Renown Health, even Providence, there are clinicians responsible for various metrics alongside of the administration. So skills and core competencies, shared accountability, the right data, key driver analysis, at least to set up the starting point so that we can agree on what it is we're trying to fix. We've mentioned personally, you know, before we hopped on the recording here that, yeah, we do like to focus on understanding what the challenges are and also looking at what opportunities exist out there so that we can make some progress. Our goal here is not just to talk about things, you know, it's to help offer what we've seen as ways to help make some progress and identify some of those opportunities. And that comes with with having a, a look at or a a perspective of what's coming in the industry and where that where we could end up as a result. What do you think all these efforts get us? Like, where do you hope is our destination here? And what what progress do you think we can realistically expect in the next few years here as as we work towards these goals? You know, I mean, I think that we're all hoping that we're going to make healthcare better, and so that you know we're going to have healthier patients, healthier populations, healthier communities that we can. Who can be, and so I think the ultimate goal is that. So where we're going to be? I mean, what is the future of healthcare? And I think the future of healthcare is like the next two months, four months, a year. You know, if we try to go look beyond that, I think we're going to be like we, we will be changing our opinions very quickly with the evolution of generative AI and what is coming and how we can leverage that. I think that is probably going to be one of the biggest things that we're going to be seeing now again in the next just couple of months for how that's best forward you know, even looking at the different co-pilots that are out there and things that are being released right now will definitely have significant impact. So, and I'm super excited to see not only what's coming, but where it's going to take us. Thank you. Linda, what do you think? I'm on board with, I'm on board with Janae as usual. I think the opportunity to pull in AI, chat GBT will actually help us come up with personalized customer-centric experiences that create experience value, emotional emotional certainty, clinical outcomes value, and business value. What a perfect place for us to to kind of put a pin on this and, and say thank you both so much. You've given us so much to think about. And with that, that's a wrap for this episode. Again, I wish we could keep going because I feel like we're just getting started and, and thinking about what's possible, what can get us there, and acknowledging the, the true challenges that lay ahead of us. Uh, but this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you so much, Linda, Janae, for joining me today. And thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again. Thank you.